Pickaxe. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good evening and welcome to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We're a video game radio show and my name is Steve Curran. Hello, I am Simon Byron. How are you, Simon? I'm frazzled, Steve. Frazzled, frazzled on a Sunday evening uh, when we're recording this. Um, I've just had to wrestle with technology uh, again, something that I thought was behind me. But uh, Dexter was around this weekend and uh, he had a sleepover. Sleepover? Um, and so in order to uh, prevent uh, too much disturbance, uh, I put him in the shed, didn't I? I put him in the shed. <laughs> that was my big mistake. So, uh, you know, I was watching them from the house. I couldn't see exactly what they were doing. Now and again, they'd pop out into the garden to do handstands or to dance. <laughs> um, they told me that they were watching the Truman Show. Uh, and then... Um, Dexter scurried out and brought his Xbox down from his room into the shed. And they were playing some games together. Um, it got to about half 11, which was already past his bedtime. But, you know, they're staying up late and all the rest of it, aren't they? So I figured they could have a little bit of extra leeway. And anyway, I was watching the golf. Um, <laughs> I walked up to the shed in the darkness uh, to tell them it was bedtime. Uh, and I, I opened the shed door. You've never seen a laptop lid shut so quickly. I t- <laughs> Honestly, I was I was very impressed. I mean, I don't know what they were doing, but boy, it was almost like it didn't have. It, it was almost like there was just it was, there was no screen there at all. It was so fast. Um, so anyway, uh, I was like, okay, what are you up to? Nothing. Uh, they weren't up to anything. Fine. Dexter leaves this evening. Um, I come up here about ten to seven uh, just to um, well. Obviously, I've had to have the windows open all day to get the smell of boys out, <laughs> uh, young boys. Um, I came up here just to sort of make sure everything was okay. There's a load of rubbish installed on my gaming laptop, Bluestacks, uh, the Android emulator. I said to him, why have done that? Oh, we wanted to play an, an Android game. I don't believe you. Um, there was some other program that I've, that I've just installed. But then the worst thing was, on my monitor, uh, they'd somehow turned on like a crosshair 
that was that was hard. <laughs> like, like it was it was superimposed over everything that was going on, like the, is going on on the screen. So there's just a crosshair in front. Are you sure it wasn't just like a pen mark across the screen? Well, I, I mean, first of all, I was like, okay. Well, first of all, I thought it was a bit sinister because my current uh, desktop background is um, a scene from Days Gone, and you know, of him riding uh, on a road, uh, mountain in the background. So it's the, the pictures taken from behind him, and on my left monitor, that's that's nice, and on the right, there's just a crosshair on the back of his head. <laughs> that's a sinister. So, what do you think uh, this is? Did you ask him? No, he's gone, isn't he? So I was like, oh, God. So, like, given that I'm editing the show this evening, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, there's going to be a crosshair over everything. So I'm not going to be able to see, you know, the uh, the the moments that I need to stitch things together. And that's going to be annoying. So I just Googled it. Um, and, of course, it all it all falls into place now, doesn't it? Because his mate said to me when they came, he said, oh, right, yeah, really like the shed. I've got that monitor. Uh, and so, of course, right, they sat down. He's done something to it. Did a, did a bit of light Googling. Turns out it's a feature under the game section of the monitor for you gamers out there where you can turn on, um, like it just shows you where the center of the screen is that you're firing. <laughs> but it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's overlaid over the usual visuals. Right. I wonder if that's like useful in some kind of cheating way in games that oh inevitably yeah. i mean yeah th- th- there is there's no 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 way they're doing it just because it looks nice mm. Mm. oh well um i'm sorry that happened to you or pleased that happened to you i'm not sure which one i mean it's an adventure isn't it well i suppose so yeah i mean a, a, a particularly boring and frustrating adventure but an adventure nonetheless well i've had a um the opposite of that no adventures which have been which has been an adventure in itself because my family's gone away this weekend. So it's just been me, uh, which has given me time to play a video game or a bit of a video game, which I'll talk about later in the show. So uh, how long have you had to yourself? Um, About at this point, at seven o'clock on Sunday evening, as we're recording this, uh, eight hours, eight glorious hours. Yes. Do you know what I had for, do you know what I had for lunch, Simon? Never have got. Well, I was about to ask. I was about to ask what 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 did you eat? Go on. I had had two pies. Did you two two pies? Tell 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 me they're meat pies, Steve, as well. That you've probably (laughs) gone off the rails. They're not, but they are special. Um, in order to get people to buy season tickets at the cricket this year, because. A lot of people bought season tickets for the cricket last year, members' passes for the cricket, and then there was no cricket because of COVID. Uh, So people were a little bit less enthusiastic because the club had said, hey, you can have a quarter of your money back, but not all of it. And people were a bit like, well, why would I buy a new one? They said, it's all right. It's all right. We're going to put, if you buy your season ticket, your members' pass, we're going to put 30 quid on there for you to spend on whatever you want at the ground, as, <laughs> as long as it's not on this list of most things that are at the ground. So um, I obviously didn't want to spend it all at once and left it till the last day, the day of the season, at which point the only thing at the ground I could spend my free money on was vegetarian pies. Okay. So I bought three pies. How did you get the so the, obviously that they were pies that had been cooked were they? Mm-hmm. That's okay. right. But luckily, as anyone who's been to a sports ground will know, they were poorly cooked. 
Right. So I ate one of them there, took two of them home, stuck two of them in the oven today, and <laughs> that's been my glorious day off, two pies. It's one of those things where you have to pretend that you haven't really enjoyed yourself, isn't it, when your family go away? <laughs> I had to drop, um, was it last last month, Kate and Ramona went up to Scotland and uh, I had to drop them off at Peterborough Station. And I tell you what, if it wasn't illegal, I would have cracked open a can in the car, <laughs> the car as I left Peterborough Car Park. <laughs> Um, Kate used to listen to the show, didn't she? She did, yeah. That tells you whether she does or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lisa never has. It's all fine. It's all fine. Right. right, shall we crack on with the news? Let's crack on with the news. I think the news is going to be we're going to be single soon. <laughs> <laughs> How many stories this week, Simon? Well, again, I've been uh, frazzled, so I'm hoping that you've got some. I've got four. Okay, I've got I've got one, um, which which has got to be the story that uh, that everyone's excited about this week. Can, it's the Nintendo story, Simon. Well, what? There, um, I think you'll find there are two Nintendo stories this week, Steve. Uh, well, it turns out I can't um, read any of them out because GameDeveloper.com has just turned into a blank site. Genuinely. Ooh, is that, that's is a, that a work of you as well? That's a burn, Steve, isn't it? May, well, actually, maybe you, maybe it's done that because you know everything. I, I'm, I'm completely serious, Simon. Go to GameDeveloper.com right now. Has this just been an elaborate way of them getting no, one no, no. more reader? Give it a, give it a shot. Oh, it's loaded. Uh, Never mind. Okay. It was just, <laughs> uh, it was just taking a while. Um, so, uh, the big news of the day, at least according to the GameDeveloper.com headline here is Nintendo shows off new games, new online services, and, and this is the big thing, Chris Pratt as Mario. Uh, this is from a story written by Bryant Francis, friend of the show and senior editor at Game developer.com he begins this paragraph i'm going to skip over the actual gaming content here okay straight to the headline part most chaotically he writes miyamoto joined the stream to announce the release date and cast of the super mario brothers movie longtime mario actor charles martinet is passing the red hat on to guardians of the galaxy and parks and rec actor chris pratt while anya taylor joy Charlie Day, Jack Black, Seth Rogen, and other veteran comedy actors round out the cast. Martinet will apparently be on hand for, air quotes, cameos. Right. How did this story make you feel, Simon? Well, first of all, uh, the story made me feel that uh, pleased that I didn't stay up to watch the Nintendo Direct, which <laughs> aired at 11 o'clock on Thursday. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, I got to about half 10 and I thought, well, it's only half 10. It's only half an hour to go. Uh, maybe I will. And I thought, don't be so daft. So I didn't. And then I was so pleased, uh, because, um, I was underwhelmed by, I'm going to say all of the news that came out of the Nintendo Direct this week. Well, um, hold on. Open world Kirby. 
I've never... Well, that was the only one that made me think that I would buy. Mm-hmm. I've never really been a Kirby fan, mm-hmm. um, but looking at the video footage of it, it did look very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I agree with both of those things. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. That's not the first time a Kirby game's looked nice, though. That Yarn game. Was it Yarn? Um, or was that Yoshi? Well, there was Yoshi's Woolly World, but there was the Kirby one before that, which mm. I bought and eBayed. Yeah, um, so there we go. Same feeling about Kirby. Um, you like Bayonetta, don't you? Yeah, but 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 what was the news? Like we all know that Bayonetta three is coming. <laughs> like, you... I, I, you're asking me to stay up till past eleven o'clock to tell me something I already know. I don't think so. Uh, Splatoon three. Again, we all knew that was coming. Getting a single player adventure mode, though, Simon. No, well, we assume that. But the other thing is, is that they build this nin- Nintendo Direct as news about games coming out this year. Mm. And both of those that you just mentioned are not coming out this year. Well, we're getting a movie at least. Not this year. <laughs> what did we get? We got what we got was a Game Boy compilation of Castlevania games. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. Let's talk about the movie. So, are you excited about the movie? No, I'm not. Okay, you're not. Why is that, Simon? I mean, I like. The, I really do like the games. I don't need to see a movie about them. I guess. Mm. I guess. I, I, I don't know. Um. Uh, you know, I, re- I I enjoyed the Sonic movie, um, so yeah, perhaps I should be a little more open-minded about this. I like Chris Pratt, but he is in everything, isn't he? He um, is, and that's what the internet was annoyed about. Not the fact that he's in everything, but this is a role that surely Charles Martinet <laughs> was born to play. He's been practising for this for, <laughs> you know, 20 years, uh, and then there's a call from Hollywood... And, um, you know, they they let them know that they're about to make an animated movie of Mario. And would he be available to audition for the part of cameos? Yeah, I mean, do we... Th- so uh, Chris Pratt has said that we'll have to wait and... wait and, We'll have to wait to hear the voice, won't we? Uh, is what he said. Um, but then there's been some speculation online I spotted which uh, thought that this could potentially be a sort of Jumanji-style mm. movie where Chris, Platt, Chris Pratt will be the real man sucked into um, a the world of Mario and potentially you will still have the original Mario voice doing it. I don't know. That would make a lot more sense, I think. Um I, I was I was I was interested to see the cast. It read to me like a list of people that Reddit might have cast for the movie. Just like one of those images you see that's all faked and gone, go on Nintendo, make this real. Starring Chris Pat Chris Pratt as Mario, starring Anya Taylor Joy as Princess Peach. And you think, yeah, it's not real. So when that tweet arrived, I was you know late at night, I was very, very, very surprised. Uh probably won't watch it. Uh, and then probably will on a plane. Uh, yes. Uh, so, so that's the that's the only news that struck you from the Nintendo Direct, is it? That was it. Yes. Because um, I'm uh, the big thing in inverted commas. Or I suppose the biggest thing was the confirmation that they are adding Nintendo sixty four games to uh, the Switch Online service. Hmm. Although in sort of classic Nintendo way. Uh, seems to be going about it in the most complicated manner <laughs> ever, where, uh, you know, the service already allows you to play NES and SNES games. Um, but and now they're adding in N64, but you'll need to have an extra 
subscription level. Uh, it won't be going into the base version. Right. Okay. So how much more am I going to have to pay for N64 access? They haven't said. Um, they've given a list of some of the games that are going to be in it. Um, they will be confirming it quite soon because I think the service launches in October. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a handful of snares. Sorry, a handful of N64. Sorry, a handful. I don't know. Probably probably about 16. Um, and um, Mega Drive games as well. Huh. Yeah. Now, they are also, like they did with the NES and the SNES, uh, they are now, um, they are uh, going to be selling some new controllers, Stee. And that brings me to new story number two from Video Games Chronicles, uh, written by Andy Robinson on the 25th of September yesterday. He writes, he writes, he writes, Nintendo's wireless N64 controller for Nintendo Switch will have extra buttons, a new image of the peripheral has revealed, as shared by Twitter user Nintendeal, at Nintendeal. The new, the, new promo, the new promo image reveals that the classic controller revision features ZR, home and share buttons on the top of the device. The new controller also sports a USB-C port for charging and a sync button along with four LED lights indicating the user's, user's player number. Uh, Nintendo is yet to show the rear of the Switch N64 controller, so it's not clear whether the controller's expansion port will be covered up or usable. Uh, earlier this year, an FCC filing suggested the former. Uh, so there we go, Steve. You're getting some extra buttons on your Bluetooth controller. So I was going to ask you, if you could add a button to the uh, N64 controller, what would that button do? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a weird-looking controller in the first place, isn't it? It's one of one of video games' outlier tr- controllers, as I guess so many of Nintendo controllers are, are always the oddest. So what would I like a... Oh, well, it's got to be... Um, <laughs> do you know what I'd like a button on a Nintendo controller, any Nintendo controller to do? It's just a button that if I pressed, just tapped someone at Nintendo, in a senior position at Nintendo on the shoulder, and just said, F-Zero. <laughs> just, so it wouldn't be a lot of effort on my part, just walking by the controller in the morning, just go, oh, yeah, just tap it, and they'd just feel a little, a little tap, just a whisper that said F-Zero. Um, are you are you tempted into uh, to, to to getting an N sixty four controller for the N sixty four games that you will definitely not play on your Switch? Absolutely, Steve. You know me. <laughs> I, I will I will be putting it next to my. Actually, I didn't buy any. Um, I didn't buy the NES controllers. I did buy a SNES controller. Never mm-hmm. used it. Um, that's and actually, you know, maybe someone has been pushing your button for you, Steve, because one of the N sixty four games that will be playable is uh, the N sixty four F Zero. Of course, uh, and and you will need this controller. Uh, you know, so many of Nintendo's games, the best Nintendo's best of Nintendo's games, are designed around the controller, right? Games devi- designed around interfaces, and that's true for famously true for the GameCube as well, with the notches in the uh, stick where you can steer Monkey Ball by locking into one of those notches. And those games are not the same without those controllers. So in order to play uh, F-Zero on your Switch with a controller, you'll need that N64 controller if you're to get the best out of it. Now, I fully believe that you are the same as me here, that you will get these things with the best of intentions. I subscribe to that service the online service to play. I thought it'd be great playing SNES games. NES games. I don't think I've spent more than twenty minutes in there. No, um, and actually, um, 
you know, the uh, the timing of these announcements does often coincide with the original introduction of the service because I recently let my subscription lapse. I, I think I paid for a family membership for me, Kate and Dexter. Um, and I don't think any of us went online for the Switch with, over the last 12 months. So I recently let it ma- lapse. And then, of course, they're like, oh, okay, Simon's let his membership lapse. <laughs> Why don't we tempt him back? I know. Let's get him to pay even more as well on top of this. <laughs> Perfect. Yes, well done, Nintendo. All right, have you got another news story? I do. It's from Eurogamer. I, I did find it quite hard to find some uh, news stories this week because a lot of the, a lot of stories, um, you know, in this fast-moving news uh, cycle, uh, many stories are they speculate about something that's going to be announced tomorrow, and then they do the news story about it being announced, confirming what they were speculating. And so often, the news story itself is redundant by the time that we come mm. out to broadcast. But uh, this one uh, attracted my eye. Uh, Eurogamer Wesley in Paul yesterday, he updated the story. Fall Guys has a Guinness World Record for being the most downloaded PlayStation Plus game ever. Developer Mediatonic made the announcement on its website without saying exactly how many PlayStation Plus downloads it has seen. Fall Guys exploded onto the scene last summer, launching on PC and on PlayStation 4 straight into PlayStation Plus. It's clever combination of platforming and battle royale made for fun and addictive arcade gameplay. 24 hours after release, it had more than 1.5 million players. As of December 2020, Fall Guys had sold more than 11 million copies on PC alone. Uh, we, we just want to say a huge thank you to the wonderful Fall Guys community, Mediatonic said. Moments like this would literally be impossible without your enthusiasm, feedback and support. Now, Steve, I remember when I was younger, I'm slightly older than you, but the Guinness Book of Records was uh, the authority on um, challenges um, and uh, feats um, that, you know, spawned a TV show, but also made you think that one day, one day, perhaps you two could be a Guinness World Record holder. One day, maybe you might grow your fingernails to be three it's always the fingernails like why was i thinking about the fingernails as well because <laughs> it's the only one that we could potentially do isn't it maybe <laughs> um, but you know uh it would have you know definitely weird weird records but it would always say um the conditions in, under which the record was attempted and then you'd have an adjudicator there as well in fact um having worked with guinness world records before um over over the years when we've uh, tried to do some gaming stuff or have done some gaming stuff with them uh, they've been very very strict about um the record attempt uh and also made it very clear what that record is so i i you know i'm i'm hoping at some point the guinness world records will tell us how many um, copies were downloaded in PlayStation Plus. And I'm hoping also that Sony will allow us to put anything we want into PlayStation Plus so that we can attempt the record as well. <laughs> because as it's otherwise, Steve, it stands, seems to me, this is an exclusive record that will never get broken and has a conditions of entry which remove it from, 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 you know, almost everybody. It strikes me, Simon, that this is the sort of thing that we, um, as a media outlet, could make an awful lot of noise about uh, if we drilled into it further over the course of, you know, potentially the next year of the show, week in, week <laughs> out. However, it also strikes me that if you were looking at the validity of video game records, uh, there are things that haven't made it into the Guinness Book of World Records, presumably because of a simple oversight. For example, longest running radio show about video games, yeah, um, which 
you know, uh, that strikes me as quite interesting. Oh, I that would I that would be front cover of the Guinness Book of Records, I think. Mm, mm. And if uh, they were to, you know, consider that worthy of putting in the book, then maybe we wouldn't have to dig deeper into some <laughs> of the other records in there, because our curiosity would be sated as soon as we'd get distracted. We'd open it up, <laughs> Didn't we know? see <laughs> us in there, and we'd be like, fantastic, doing a brilliant job. Thanks, Guinness. Nice world record you've got there, Nicotonic. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a shame if anybody discredited it. <laughs> All right. Um, here's one from Eurogamer as well. Uh, I don't really understand this story, Simon, but it's okay because we're not going to talk about it. Anti-cheat software BattleEye and Easy Anti-Cheat will support Steam Deck, writes Vicky Blake. Uh, goes on to say, there will be an opt-in basis with developers choosing whether they want to allow it or not. Um, this uh, this is very, very important to online pl- players of online shooters, mostly, right? People who would, for example, hard-code their monitors to have... <laughs> have uh, crosshairs on them uh, and therefore not important to me at all but what was interesting this week was that I saw Steam Decks out in the wild Indeed Steve and that would lead me on to my next news story uh, which is uh, Video Games Chronicles talking about what developers have been saying Go on then Okay uh, <laughs> uh, I wasn't sure whether you wanted a, f- a, f- you know, a full blown news story or just wanted to dip into what people have been saying Um Let's just do that, shall we? Mike Rose said, uh, Valve sent over a Steam Deck. Brackets, thanks, lovelies, two exclamation marks. So I've been going through our games and checking whether they work without any additional dev on our part. Descenders works flawlessly. In fact, it runs incredibly well. With full ultra graphics on, I get around 50 or 60 frames per second, which is interesting. And if you watch the video, it really does look lovely. I will say, though, it does look like Mike Rose is struggling with his own game, though. He's... (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, obviously, you know, I, I would imagine it was his trembling hands as he's got a new piece of hardware in there rather mm, than uh, any proficiency at cycling game. Uh, any games that are currently mouse and keyboard only, we need to add controller support to make them work, but the touchscreen works so they can still be played. Is Yes, Your Grace, again, runs flawlessly. Uh, Cliff Harris, uh, founder of Positech Games, um, said, First impressions? Oh, that this is really cool, he tweeted, and Democracy 4 seems to run okay on it out of the box, although the steam paddle finger doodads work a thousand times better than the thumbsticks for my game. The sound is really good. Frame rate is perfect. Um, then the f- Twitter, Twitter account of Flight Simulator Software X-Plane showed a photo of the game being played on a beach and then later confirmed that the hardware supports flight sticks. <laughs> I'm going to take those to the beach with you as well. Uh, Xbox boss Phil Spencer said that he's been playtested the Steam Deck and that the games such as Halo feel good and work well. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, it, you know, this um, unbridled joy uh, was unusual. I thought because often hardware launches and dev kits in particular are are frequently just surrounded by secrecy, and so it was so nice to see. Uh, lots of people uh, sharing the excitement, get the stuff up and running, and for videos and gifts to appear on the internet. What was not nice to see, though, was the fact that everybody else appears to have got them and we don't. Exactly what I thought as well. <laughs> 100%. Uh, my 
excitement at seeing this thing out in the world tinged with uh, envy, just pure <laughs> envy uh, that I didn't get sent one. But Bennett Foddy did. Uh, I saw. Bennett Foddy's get on top works flawlessly, apparently, just straight away. So it's, you know, it's looking like a good thing. Simon, did you order one in the end or not? Well, Steve, I do have one uh, pre-ordered. I, I uh, booked it 18 minutes after it uh, was available. Um, and I will be receiving it during Q1 2022. The other thing is that uh, because of my job and my Steam account, I am eligible to order a dev kit, uh, which I have done. And you have to put <laughs> you have to put why you want it in there. <laughs> so I was like, we just want to test our games and make sure that you know that that they all run flawlessly and see whether we need to do any sort of UI or controller fixes or whatever. Whatever. What I didn't put was because everybody else has got one. <laughs> Ah, good. Uh, we must be approaching the end of the news section now. We must be. I will say, if I do get a dev kit, I will, of course, give it to the team, but I do want to try one out myself. Ba ba ba. where are we time-wise? Uh, 20, blimey. Um, uh, I've got a couple of other stories which aren't interesting. One about GOG, not being a bit grumpy about people saying, uh, people uh, leaving poor reviews for Hitman because it requires DRM. Um, so they got grumpy about that. I've been taking those down, which has made everybody a bit more grumpy, uh, which all seems a bit daft to me. Um, actually, that was it. That was my last of my stories. Fantastic. All right. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Dee. One life left. Video game news with
We're back. This is One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. If you're not aware, Resonance is a brilliant, brilliant radio station which you could well be listening to right now. Hello if you are. Stay tuned for the best in arts broadcasting. If you're listening to us as a podcast, uh, you can, or if you're not listening to us as a podcast, you can find the podcast at www.onelifeleft.com or on Spotify or on whatever podcast provider you choose to use. Uh, the podcast is uploaded every week by our under caretaker, Phil, who writes the show notes. In the show notes, you can find out what piece of music has just played or is playing, depending on how Simon edits the show tonight. Yes, uh, I don't know what it's going to be, Steve. Actually, uh, we'll have to see how far we run and how much time we've got to squeeze stuff in. We've only we, we've been a one-song mm. uh, radio show recently, haven't we? Because we've had so much to chat about. We have been pushing the uh, pushing the time boundaries. I did want to mention it wasn't in the news section. Uh, didn't get a chance to mention it in the news section, but there's been quite a lot of Mario-style uh, TV or movies getting hold of video game IP and about to drop it. Uh, League of Legends series Arcane is debuting on Netflix on November the 6th. You excited about that? Nope. Nope. Uh, there's a new series The Witcher. I mean, I should be excited, shouldn't I? I didn't watch the first series. I just don't have time. I, I don't have time. I've, do you know, I've played no games this week. None at all. So, no, none at all. Uh, I've not, I don't even think I've played Deathloop. Um, I've just been just been busy. So, and that's not watching video game adaptations on streaming services, sadly. Mm, uh, I saw a friend of the show, Rodri, tweet this week. A, a lot of people were getting angry at the casting of uh, of uh, Chris Pratt instead of Charles Martinet, and generally angry at Nintendo for not casting whoever they want or, or whatever, or making jokes. And Rodri just tweeted, uh, Mario is an interactive medium. And that's all. Like that's his only opinion. Is just that none of this stuff matters. It's all periphery to to the main thing, and all of this is kind of merch, right? You're building on your IP and you're selling more things, and that's getting more people to play the video game potentially as well. But it doesn't really matter. Um, and uh, yeah, I also have no time. Also, I, have you played League of Legends yet? Played what? Have you ever played a League of Legends? No, 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 no. no, no. Means I'm really unlikely to watch a TV show about it. Mm. But you did play The Witcher. I did. I finished The Witcher and all the DLCs. Thank you very much. So, uh, and I got the medium ending, which actually, <laughs> was actually reading through the other endings, I was very happy about. Well done, you. All right, shall we uh, get on with the letters? So we have a couple of letters on the Discord this week. Uh, I don't know if we've had any in the inbox. We've got one in the inbox. I can take that if you like. All right, you take that. Uh, Subject, Space Nights in Space. Which reminds me, actually, while we're talking about my children, my daughter attends nursery, and uh, that costs me about, me and Kate, uh, £60 a day. Um, They have themed um, weeks uh, where they learn about stuff. And, uh, you know, sometimes they've been learning about, uh, like, gravity and stuff. Anyway, she said to me this week what they've been learning about was dinosaurs, um, and uh, in particular, dinosaurs in space. Pieces of knowledge I've never needed to rely on uh, as part of my career or anything like that. You know, £60 a day that cost me for my daughter to be taught about 
something that no longer exists. Well, my daughter, my daughter goes to nursery as well. And you know what they do there? Go on. They do whatever the kids want. They do, uh, they do, uh, I can't remember what they specifically call it, but like toddler-led learning. So the kids, I I know, uh, kids come in and they're like, what do you want to do today? Don't know, run around and scream a bit. All right, go for it, mate. Just go for it. Um, wow. Yeah, no, 60 quid a day or whatever. <laughs> Chris Conroy writes, Dear team man, something, something Gene Steelers. I've been playing a bit of the 2009 classic Dawn of War 2 recently. Relic Entertainment at THQ were having a real purple patch back then, experimenting with the RTS model and this. Combined with the silly gruffness of Games Workshop's Nights in Space makes for a fun experience even 10 years on and arguably still one of the best Games Workshop games. Games. It remains impossible to be objective in this conclusion, as literally no human alive has been able to play every one of the Games Workshop games due to their prolific licensing model. The best game of all time might be tucked away between a roguelike about Skaven and a turn-based strategy about Tyranids, and we'd never know. Is this the most sprawling digital license in video games history, and is the singularity actually the point at which we have a model painting simulator in VR, your chaos championing champion, Chris Conroy? Uh, I mean, I, I, I do see that there are an awful lot of um, Games Workshop games, particularly on Steam, and I, I just don't understand any of them. And sometimes when Humble Bundle does collections of them, I go, there are a million of these, uh, <laughs> none of which I understand. I mean, some of them appear to be good. But Have you yeah. ever played a Games Workshop game? Ever. I mean, like, a, a real one with the figures. and Yeah, whatnot. I tried Space Hulk um, when they were giving them away. Uh, when I was on magazines, they would, did the... Uh, the Space Hulk strategy game on the Amiga. Um, I don't remember much about it. Mm, I think it feels to me like the sort of thing I would theoretically like, but it is all so uh, steeped in people who care so much about it that I'm kind of frightened to go near it. It's it's almost why I liked the time we played Demio, which we should really do again, um, because it was it was kind of that mechanic of moving little characters around a board without really feeling like you needed to know anything about it because you were going to get patronised by someone who knows more than you. And I do like their licensing model here of just, it seems like, giving the brand to anyone who wants to make something uh, with it. So maybe I really should uh, should try. Some of them are really well reviewed as well, some of those games. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, there was one uh, this year in particular. I mean, again, I've, I've not heard of any of it. Yeah, there we go. I think I think it's probably a bit too late for me. I think I'd feel I'd feel overwhelmed. All right, uh, we've got a letter that arrived during the show last week, so we didn't get a time uh, get a chance to read it out. This is from Lawrence Weir. Uh, Hi team, I've got absolutely no evidence for this. That's what I like, Lawrence. But sure that less uh, fewer games are achieving 90-plus Metacritic scores in the last few years compared to 5-10 years ago, especially AAA games. Are games that are considered amazing becoming more difficult to make, or is games journalism growing up a little, and so looking at games with a more balanced, critical eye? Love the show, Lawrence. So Lawrence is saying there are fewer games around with 90-plus Metacritics. Is that true, Simon? I know you keep a close eye on this kind of stat. 
I do. Um, and uh, I think he's right. Um, and that the reason for that is because there are so many sites now that contribute to a Metacritic score that all it takes is one person not to like a game and it will drag your average down significantly. <laughs> significantly more than, than, than more people giving it a 90. So if you've got... Uh, if you've got... 10 people that give it a 90 and one person gives it a 60 or sometimes, you know, often on games I've worked on, there have been eight, 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 six, nines, eight, sevens, four, and your Metacritic ends up at a sort of 68 or something like that. Now, they do claim to to uh, to weight them. Uh, so, you know, not, not every review score is considered equal, but still, you know, all, it doesn't take many to drag you down from that 90. And so, yeah, it's just harder and harder and harder. Mm, good observation, uh, Lawrence. I hope Simon's statistics there backed you up. Um, well done. Yeah, Please. just just don't just don't check the actual maths on that. <laughs> yeah. Just you know, more the theory. And obviously, this goes for everyone as well, not just Lawrence. But please feel free to write into One Life Left with more things that you've got absolutely no evidence for. Um, it fits with the tone of the show very well. Have we got another letter? Not in the inbox, Steve. So I've got one here from. Uh, here from Robert. Actually, I thought Weasel Spoon had written to us twice. I thought he'd written another one in our inbox. He has. Oh, okay. We're so right I've there. got one. Well, I've got one in the mailbag on the Discord, oh, and right, you've yes. got one in I the inbox. So should we read them both? Yeah, why not? All right, uh, you start. Okay. Hello, team. Hello, SSG. On Saturday, the Australian comedian Tom Walker did an eight-hour Twitch stream for charity with the singular task of setting the speedrun world record for Gervais Percent in Grand Theft Auto 4. To do this, you start a new game, skip the opening cutscene, drive to your house and turn on the TV, then you hope that the randomly selected programme on TV is Ricky Gervais. Each attempt is under one minute and Tom has got it down to sub-50 seconds. But he has hammered it for eight hours solid like an idiot. What gaming feats make you ask... Why? What challenges just aren't worth the effort? Pip pip, Robert. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a leading question because I suppose ultimately the answer is all of them. All of them. All of them. All of them. And in that sense, the challenge there is kind of worth the most because that's undercutting them all, right? By being so stupid that it shows everything up to be a complete embarrassment. I mean, that's not to say I don't, you know, enjoy watching them. Uh, I watched that awesome games done quick speedrun. I think we talked about it on the show with the guy who played Mario 64 blindfolded, uh, yeah. which was phenomenal to watch. But it did leave you asking, why? Um, can you think of a single one, Simon, that's made you go that was useful? No, again, it comes down to time, doesn't it? I mean, you know, these they can be a good way of, you know, really rinsing value out of the games mm. that you're playing and, for, you know, different ways to do stuff and modifies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, I'm, 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 I'm lucky to play a game once. <laughs> Hello, team, writes uh, Robert again last week this time. I went to see Mario, a super musical this week, uh, brackets fun, funny, heartfelt, weirdly inaccurate, 7 out of 10, close brackets. What game would you like to see adapted to the stage? I wish I'd seen the Mortal Kombat stage show, which could have changed the face of theatre if it had been a bigger hit. Pip Pip Roberts. It's a good question. Ba, ba, ba. Yes, uh, it is a good question. Um, what would I like to see 
the theatre. Do, do, you, do you have an immediate answer, Steve? I, 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 I have an immediate answer. Great. Which is that about 15 years ago, or maybe maybe a little less than that, 12 years ago, I wrote a musical based on Pong. Uh, it was called Pong the Musical. Uh, I wrote it with Owen Benelak. Uh, you know, I think that's standard. Say so standard. <laughs> Probably a very unstandard three-act structure. Uh, very hero's journey. It had uh, 10 to 12 songs, none of which had music in. Um, it was It was written... Out, out of vindictive, um, uh, vindictive isn't the right word. It was motivated by you and David McCarthy saying that I would never actually do it. Yeah. Um, and then I went and did it, but then I didn't do anything with it. So in many ways, you were right. So was I. Well, exactly. <laughs> so we all emerged from that with no credit. <laughs> uh, so I'd love, I'd love someone to take that. Uh, which, by the way, uh, I was looking for the other day, apropos of something else, and is not in my Google Drive. So I guess that means it's lost forever. Uh, wow. I was, I was looking for. I would like for someone, if they do find it at the bottom of a canal somewhere, uh, someone to make that, please. It's a difficult one to follow. That see, I, did you not send it to either of us as proof that you'd done it? Maybe, no, maybe we, maybe we've got it. Have I, we? don't, I don't think I, I. I genuinely don't think I did. I think I went through the whole process of writing it, like structuring, it, writing it, coming up with these songs, and then thinking, oh, now I've got to put music on it. Oh, that's going to take ages, and then getting distracted by the next shiny thing, um, and never finishing it, and then it just seeming a bit like. I don't know. I feel. I, I almost feel like I would have sent it, and then it would have just been about. Okay, cool. Well done. You did that. <laughs> Shrug. Uh, would, so, so w- w- you would have written the music, would you? The actual music, absolutely yeah. not, because uh, that's definitely where it fell down. Because I have okay. zero m- musical talent. Uh, but it does. You know, it has has the lyrics. Uh, Can you remember any? Pong. Pong, 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 pong. That's basically it. Um, I, I did when I searched for it in my Gmail. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll do some more. Maybe I'll do some hacking because when I search for it, I'm searching for it now. Uh, there is a. I've just found it. Look, come on! There we go. So I've just genuinely found it. I found an email from Owen Benelak to me entitled "Musical Version 1.4," sent. Def- definitely don't lose this on the, on the on the 9th of August 2006. Okay, do you want to open up and and read out the intro? I'm opening it now, right? Okay, okay. Screw you, Simon David! (laughs) (laughs) All right, it says, says, um, Pong the Musical, a brief history of video games, abridged working title by Owen Benelak and Steve Curran, based on an original concept by Steve Curran, cast, player one, player two, princess, henchmen, sprites, ghosts, space invaders, act one, interior, flat... We're inside a small flat with boxes of possessions all taped up and ready to be moved. In the middle of the boxes on a couch sit player one and player two. This is ready player one before it's time. They both have jewel shocks in their hands, a PlayStation on the floor in front of them. They are staring out towards the audience, towards an unseen TV screen. And then we go on to describe, and then we're into full-on dialogue. Maybe we could do a... A radio show version of this. We could we could we could, we, we could serialize it. <laughs> okay, let's do that one sentence every week. Brilliant. Yep. Well, um, 
Well, thanks for the correspondence, Robert. Um, Steve, have you got anything else that's missing that maybe Robert could ask a question about? We could, <laughs> we could locate that for you. Any 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 photos? <laughs> Best not to. All right. Thanks for all your letters this week. If you want to write to One Life Left, and please, please do, you can pop a message in the hashtag mailbag channel on the Discord. You can find a link to our Discord in the show notes at www.onelifeleft.com or... The easiest way is just to email team at onelifeleft.com. Hello, we're back. It's One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We're a video game radio show. Uh, we generally talk about video games, not always. Uh, sometimes we make discoveries, like, for example, 15-year-old musicals buried in our inboxes i'm reading the lyrics now to the first song described as it's the song is called pong exclamation mark it's described as upbeat jaunty a perfect blend of video game and musical um i'll just read you the first verse pong well actually it's pong question mark pong pong came to the world in 72 shook the planet to its core pong 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 from you to me, from me to you, avoid missing ball for high score. Very good. It's gold. Is that how songs are written, Steve? <laughs> Do the lyrics come first and, uh, and then people have to write the music after them? A serious question. Um, uh, is that how Bernie Taupin and Elton John do it? Maybe you could be the Elton to my Bernie. I was listening to Elton John this week, actually, unusually. Um... Uh, and the answer, I think, would be no. I'm certainly not talented enough to... Um, yeah, the, I so I do have a, mu- a music GCSE, actually, Steve. Thank you very much. Um, the year that I took my GCSEs was the first year that the drum kit was considered an instrument. So I was able to uh, do my composition and my practical on drum kits. If you want some drumming done... I'm your man. <laughs> I don't. I mean, maybe that's what Pong is. It's a drumming musical, like Stomp, but Pong. <laughs> there we go. All right. Are we? Uh, we reviews a clock just about. We are reviews a clock. Let's okay. uh, let's do it. So Simon, I was going to ask you what you've been playing this month, uh, this week, but you've been playing nothing. No, I haven't had a chance to play much. Uh, as by much, I mean anything. No, I um, uh, probably the biggest games news, Steve. Is, uh, I'm a subscri- I'm a Stadia Pro subscriber again. So you know that was unexpected, wasn't it? Um, in that, uh, yeah, I now um, have access to the Stadia Pro uh, games because they tempted me back, didn't they? How did that happen? I got an email saying that um, we've well, noticed you're not a Stadia Pro subscriber anymore. When we listen to One Life Left, we're actually not a Stadia Pro subscriber anymore. How about if you subscribe to Stadia Pro for a month, we send you um, a Stadia Founders um, uh, kit edition. Um, <laughs> sorry, is it Founders or Premier? Probably not Founders anymore, Premier. Which is a Stadia controller and a Chromecast Ultra. Um, you know, just, just by way of saying thanks for subscribing again. So I subscribed again and they thanked me. And... Uh, you know, this is going to make poor radio, but there, there it is, Steve. I've got my Stadia <laughs> Stadia um, Premier Edition uh, back in the shed. And I tell you what, I mean, these things work, don't they? Because I was chatting to Dexter about it earlier. Um, 
I'm thinking I might try. I, I might. Uh, Far Cry Six is out next uh, next month. Thinking I might get the stadium version. I wonder how many of those they found kicking around the office. Well, I don't mind because they've got one fewer now because it's in my shed. <laughs> and I notice it's still uh, sealed. Well, but that's because I've got one in the in the house. Right. Uh, and so um, I've got, yeah, we're a two-stadia family now. Um, so I was going to set it up up here. Fantastic. So. All right, good. Well, you've no excuses for next week then, apart from, you know, being too busy to play video games. What I, have you been playing, Steve? I... Uh, I played Sable, didn't I? Oh, yes. So, <laughs> I don't know how much you can intone from Simon's voice there, or from, uh, you know, hearing him use that voice over the past 15 years on One Life Left. But if I were to read something, I would say, that's the sort of voice that Simon uses when it's a game that everyone has played that, yes, looks beautiful, but is he ever going to play it? Uh, well, I'm I'm tempted by Sable um, because it's in Game Pass, mm. and that's how I was going to um, experience it. So, no, the oh yes was because you know this has been an indie darling mm. uh, for a long time. Front cover of Edge, um, you know everybody's been banging on about it, and and actually what's what surprised me it came out on Thursday, did it? Um, it surprised me that actually this time around it didn't appear to be universally loved. Is that right? So I haven't seen mm. anything about it, um, uh, really, um, apart from apart from a couple of people on my uh, Twitter feed. Uh, one of whom worked on the game, friend of the show, Martin, uh, who is a brilliant audio person. He did all of the sound effects and the audio sort of soundscape for it. And I uh, I did meet the um, the chaps who made the game at a conference a couple of years ago where they, we chatted about it and it sounded interesting then, but really I've stayed away from it since then. Um, then it came out and I downloaded it and played it. I, I guess that my impression, and I'll ask you what you've seen said about it shortly, but my impression was this. It, it's, it's beautiful. Like, it's absolutely startlingly beautiful. It's a game that feels like it's been constructed with a vision in mind. When I'm talking to people about how to make games and how to make successful games, I say that the goal is, at least from a visual point of view, to make sure someone can see a screenshot of that game and know what it is. Like, you have nailed that. You don't get it confused with anything else. And that is certainly the case here. It's got a really interesting palette for a start, which is kind of muted. It almost feels, at first, until you get used to it, like your colours are a bit sort of washed out or dark or grey. Um, but that's their world, and it means when they do bright colours, it really stands out, right? It speaks to what they're trying to do. Um, it's a gentle game where you've... I've, I've only played about an hour, so enough to get me through the tutorial and slightly uh, into the game. Um, you play a young person going through a initiation, about to leave their tribe, their nomadic tribe, for the first time. Um, the very first action you've got to do is go and collect the bits for your hover bike. And that's basically the main mechanic. It's kind of 3D platforming, running around this world, jumping, hovering, and uh, biking around. At least that's all I've seen so far. You're manipulating, you're moving around. You, while you're doing that, you're talking to characters. Uh, very well-written dialogue. 
that comes up and really, really paints these characters quite quickly. Uh, beautiful audio, and I'm not just saying that because um, I'm friends with Martin. Genuinely, like, startlingly beautiful audio. The game itself, and I, I haven't, you know, got far into... Oh, I, also the UI and just the onboarding and just the feel, right? Most games, as I said, played Deathloop last week, and... It felt like it would be four hours before I got to understand everything in it. Here, I'm like, okay, I've played it for half an hour and I get it and I know how it's going to play out and I feel comfortable doing it. It's just really, really nicely constructed. Um, it feels like the game itself might be quite conservative. Like, it seems like it might be fetch quests, go here, do this, progress the story, and uh, some platforming. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about it so far. But honestly, that's kind of what Greece was as well. And this reminds me of that just in a different genre, a game that's so artistically made within that genre that the mechanics are almost secondary. You just enjoy being in that world. I'm going to go back to it. I'll probably go back to it tonight and um, I'll report back on it next week. Seven out of ten. Yes, uh, I think the... um... The sentiment uh, seems to be that it that it isn't for everyone, and you know what? That is absolutely fine. I think games can be, um, you know, victims of their own pre-launch success, and I think that the expectations for Sable were almost always going to be uh, too high. Um, you know, what's what's clear is that it's a project created with an awful lot of love that some people really like, and other people feel frustrated that it's not exactly what they thought mm. it was going to be. Um, you know, and that's something that uh, <laughs> that every game has to struggle with so um yeah i'm i'm still definitely interested in it i played the demo um maybe maybe a month ago and it's very rare that i do that uh for games but yeah i could see that it was um it was going to be something really lovely so uh yeah i look forward to getting cracked to cracking on with it when i've got a little more time i wonder if there's a little bit of dissonance there between that audience that are attracted to games like sable uh, games that are pushing at the boundaries of the medium, certainly visually, who then pick it up and find that the uh, if uh, and I, you know, I'm not far enough in the game to be sure about this. If the gameplay is conservative, find themselves a little bit let down by that because there's you know slight uneven weighting of uh, of pushing at the boundaries of things. There, it is on the art side and it isn't on the gameplay side. Um, but we'll see, uh, we'll see, and I'm really enjoying it anyway. Good. Cool. Anything else? Any other business? I think that's it. We've got some uh, some podcast news coming soon uh, that you and I are chatting out before the show. So there might be some exciting things to talk about later. We might not. Who knows? <laughs> uh, let, let's see what our lawyers say. Yeah, we might um, do. Um, but yes, it's been lovely talking to you again, yes. Simon. Thank you so much for Resonance for hosting us and having us. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening once again. Uh, we will be back next week, won't we? Why not? Why yeah, not? I've got uh, I've got Dex around again next week, which is unusual two weekends in a row. But let me tell you this: he will, will not be using my equipment. Although that said, actually, before we go, he did love the chair. <laughs> he, did. he said he said it was the most comfortable seat he's ever had. So uh, there we go. Fantastic. All right. Until next week, Simon. Goodbye. Bye. 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 B